So welcome everyone. This is Narelle Carter Quinlan from the Saltwater Songlines Project. And today I'm really honoured and really excited to be sitting with Dr. Eski Britton, who is from Ireland. And Eski is a lifelong surfer and a marine social scientist. And her work is really about the immersion in the felt relationship of the body, the sea, wave, and breath in place. So Eski's been an international um, competitive surfer since teenagerhood. Is that right, Eski? Yeah. 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 <laughs> and she surfed big waves and has worked with women in Iran, Papua New Guinea, and Sri Lanka helping them to find a safe and joyful relationship with themselves in water and teaching them to surf. So Eski's also published in peer-reviewed journals in realms of social and mental health and the benefits of immersing in and the relationship with water. And she's recently written a book called Saltwater in the Blood, which is how I first encountered her. And um, it's an incredible book. There are so many layers in this book. And as we were saying, when I went through this book and made notes and highlight sections and thought, okay, what can we speak about here? There's just so much that um, <laughs> we're just going to see where the waves take us today because the field is so rich. So thank you so much for joining me, Iski. I'm really thrilled to speak with you. Yeah, thanks for having me, Narelle, and hello everyone from the, the west coast of Ireland, uh, my kind of birthplace and home place in, in Donegal. Um, yeah, in a, in a different ocean today, the Atlantic. <laughs> mm. Yeah, yeah. So I live on the edge of the Pacific Ocean. Mm. Yeah, just thinking about where to dive in and... I think where I'd like to start, as I said to you earlier, I don't really want to do this in a linear fashion. I just want to jump in and see where things take us. And in, in your book, you, you talk about a great many things. I'm just kind of looking at my notes here thinking, wow, where do I, where do I start? There's just so much. But the place that I think I'd like to begin is how you speak about the relationship of mental health and social health in the body relating with water in its own senses. You talk about the body finding new senses when it's in water. So yes, there's, you know, the traditional senses that we know, but you speak about finding other senses of the immersed body as it feels the movement of water. Um, yeah. You want to open okay. that out a little bit? <laughs> Let's just start in the very big one. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it's a huge one for me, I think, both in my personal life, professionally, and what I do in my work and how I live. It, it, the question is always, you know, why water? You know, this feeling, this innate pull towards it and seeing that ripple across humanity, across societies, across culture and time as, as humans, you know, and obviously we've needed it for our survival and we've evolved with it, you know, so we're, we're there's that interdependency there. And I feel like 
we're naturally attuned to it uh, if we can bring our consciousness to that in terms of how water just engages our senses in, in a more effortless way so mm. that it's much more you're going to say maybe easier but more powerful in terms of making that shift from um our, our brains and our heads our thinking mind into the feeling sensing mind of the body you know which now more than ever just seems to be at this kind of crisis point of how do we make that journey back into the body um yeah. when we're in this chronic stress response it seems collectively yeah and so that's where i feel for me the real power of water lies in terms of its link to our mental health in particular our social health that that kind of connection mm. and then what's also fascinating about it is i, I write more my lens is through the sea and the ocean you know as a, a surfer since uh you know, just having that ocean, growing up with that ocean connection here and where the sea is so wild from, from childhood um, and surfing or standing on a surfboard from the age of four. <laughs> so the ocean is more, it's the most familiar kind of body of water to me. But then it's just fascinating to look at all different kinds of water and the effect it has on us. So you spoke about that immersive aspect and it's just, for me, there's so many layers of that connection um, as we kind of, progress the relationship or an interaction with water from from maybe being on the shore as a witness looking at it through our eyes hearing it through our ears smelling it and then something happens that's just so remarkable when we actually come into direct physical contact with it mm. um which is another really special part of water as an element unlike anything else in nature it really envelops us and holds us um so it's that feeling that touch that it kind of ignites in the body um and then of course it creates these sort of this physiological response that stems from our evolution that also you know triggers a whole cascade of changes in our emotions and feelings and how we sense like you were alluding to as well yeah yeah I might pause there <laughs> yeah yeah there's there's already a lot in there and where it takes me to immediately Iski, is when you write about cold water you know immersing in cold water and how that stimulates the vagal tone and um, it changes so much it asks so much more of our lungs and our heart but yet not in a way that is physiologically challenging as to be adverse but quite the opposite and um, the studies that have been done about Alzheimer's disease and and I don't know whether you mentioned this in your book but you know of course there are studies about depression and anxiety and people who are immersed in cold water and yeah you want to say a little bit about that? Yeah um, it, I mean I find it kind of mind-blowing because in so many ways it's so accessible to us water is everywhere and all around us um, in terms of its ability to heal and then we go seeking our, our healing down so many other kind of rabbit holes outside of ourselves mm. and forgetting that <clears throat> the reason that part of the reason why it's so healing is that we're bodies of water too and then to go back to yeah, the cold water response or our immersion in water, when we come into physical contact with it, it triggers that mammalian dive response that we share with all, all mammals, but you know, especially heightened in, in our kin, the seals and dolphins of the sea, but amazingly also very active in newborn babies because they've spent nine months in water already. <laughs> 
um, which is incredible. So it's it's in there, like uh, encoded in us, um, which I find amazing. So it, it creates this physiological response that's preparing the body to hold our breath as we immerse ourselves underwater again, um, mm -hmm. like our ancient ancestors must have done before we grew land legs. <laughs> Yeah. oxygen but um yeah so it's it you know for example it'll start our you know heart rate starts to slow and uh, there's this whole switch in the blood flow so it, it really is working our circulatory respiratory system in in a whole other way that's really good then for building resilience in the body and the immune system um and then also the cold is is interesting we have far more cold um thermoreceptors on our skin than warm so you really you know people will say when they get in the water they feel revitalized energized invigorated all these words that are or you know you get that instant shock of cold yes. water yeah, yeah. <laughs> and nothing like that to just actually bring you fully into the present moment in your body um because you're really you're feeling in a different way because it's cold um which which is amazing and then it's about softening into that because if we kind of resist or panic or shorten our breath, then it can actually be a problem if we don't ease ourselves into it. Mm. We're not used to the cold. So it's allowing that just, I find with water, it really asks us to bring awareness to the feeling of those changes, like to notice in the body of like, oh, it's, you know, how it's making us feel different. I think that's yeah. where there can be real medicine. Yeah. But even unconsciously, it's working us. Um, and so, as you say, too, there's amazing evidence starting to come out around, um, around mental illnesses, especially of, of the brain and the mind with Alzheimer's and dementia and um, depression, especially, because what happens in, especially in cold water, they're finding now through regular immersion that the body releases these kinds of you know, neurotransmitters and chemicals naturally that are actually found in you know, antidepressants and, and mm. other kind of medication we're given. But our body naturally will produce that for us when we're mm. immersed regularly in water. So, and a, and a kind of rewiring of the brain happens too, right? Because we're in this really dynamic changing environment, especially the ocean, which again is linked to um, reducing risk of things like dementia. Yeah. yeah, it's a fascinating field or area. Yeah, <laughs> it opens up a lot for me as I listen to you. You know, like where I live, it's tropical waters. And so mm. I don't have easy access to <laughs> water unless I, and some people do this, but unless I put ice cubes in the bathtub and uh, I haven't right. got to that place yet. <laughs> so, yeah, so I mean, I, I don't see any published literature and I'm I'm curious whether warm water has the same effect. Mm. I know that warm water obviously has a substantial effect on me. I've, I've swum all my life. I'm not what I'd call a surfer, although, yeah, I've body surfed all my life and I've um, just laid down on a board, surfed, and I've stood up a couple of times, but it's not, I would not in a pink fit call myself a surfer, but yet I still know what water does to me, um, even though the waters that I immerse in are, are warmer and uh, sometimes it's as warm as a warm bath almost here in summer you know but so that's well, one place it's, it's probably pretty good for things then like your your muscles and easing the you know, aches and tension the cold water can be harsh on the body as well you know it's so it's and maybe it's it's not that 
one certainly not that one is better than the other but I do think yeah there's definitely very different properties mm-hmm. um, and not enough has been done on that there was a study called uh, Blue Health in Europe that just wrapped up last year so a massive kind of pan-European study funded by the EU looking at our kind of people's relationship with water and in in cities and rivers lakes the sea and i know they're starting now to unpack like the differences maybe in in you know ireland and the northern part of europe with say the mediterranean when it comes to sea swimming and things like that so looking at the temperature and different different aspects so yeah i'm curious yeah it that opens up something for me about place which I'll come back to because the other thing that I wanted to open out about what you said a moment ago about it's no, you can't panic. It's like when you get wiped out and even though I don't stand up very much on a surfboard, even though I'm on my belly or I'm just tumbling around in the waves, you can still get knocked about quite a bit and and not know whether, you know, where's up, where's down, how do I get to the surface? And it's really easy to just lose it and, freak out and instead of you talk in your book so much about this really beautiful place of release and surrender and letting go and you know assuming we're not talking about a massive wave on a reef or something like that you know you're not likely to get held down for a long long time and um I'd really love to hear you talk a little bit about that, that that release and that surrender, because you you mentioned in some place in your book about this moment where you were underwater and you it was like you entered this other phase of consciousness and it's almost as if you became a seal. And I I don't know that you languaged it quite this way, but it was as if your consciousness as well as your body became porous in this Mm. other space yeah yeah talk to me about that yeah because they I mean there's probably more wipeout moments in surfing than there are those moments of flow when you're you know riding a wave and everything's nicely aligned Mm. (laughs) um regardless of kind of what level you're at which is probably the beauty of it it kind of evokes this or demands this beginner's mindset as soon as you start to think you've kind of got it all figured out and then that's when you're going to fall usually the ocean will change and and tell you otherwise so for yeah a huge part of the surfing experience then is learning to kind of wipe out well and part of that journey is this this kind of the letting go of control obviously you've totally lost control and been tossed off your board or getting tumbled by a wave which is way more powerful than in you and and you're also then held under in an environment where humans aren't you know designed to survive for very long so you've got all these you know um, fight or flight uh, instincts being fired and adrenaline and um, but of course all of that is elevating your heart rate so the you know the trick is it's so easy to say not to panic so like how how do you actually do that Mm. (laughs) and all your you know instincts are like no get me out of here um but it is about again that kind of attunement to to the water and as you said being like this feeling porous so I find and it kind of takes a bit of practice and training almost before you encounter those situations. So you can be doing this on land as part of preparation. And certainly I would have done that for big wave surfing in particular. But it's, yeah, about this almost, as you were saying, the consciousness shift. So it's like the moment I fall and I'm getting tossed under, 
maybe two things happen. One is where I just bring myself kind of at first really into my body. So just, but without any judgment of, of analyzing, oh, I'm getting really thrown around here, but actually just staying with the, the senses, the physical sensations um, of how the water is moving my body and just kind of going with that. And it can actually, when you do that, it's, it's really interesting. It totally shifts the mind from that kind of, mental chatter of panic or yeah. the inner critic or <laughs> yeah. into like the wow my body's being swayed around like kelp or <laughs> or you feeling and sensing this like the water and it just kind of you be, start to become more like the water and become softer and then there's also maybe a, the mental shift that happens where it's almost like becoming the observer or the witness mm. of just like taking the mind in a way um, really trying to shut off, I suppose, that thinking mind and then going into this other level of consciousness where you're just kind of almost, uh, yeah, almost out of the body in a way, observing and witnessing it. So I know that maybe yeah. it sounds like... Um, yeah, no, I know what you mean. I, myself, but you're both really physically in the body in terms of just feel, experiencing sensations and then the mind is also just observing kind of in this place without judgment of, yeah yeah or or if it gets really really nasty <laughs> i actually take my mind somewhere else altogether into another like like visualization state of you know it, um an altered state i suppose i would have practiced through visualization of like total total calm inner womb experience until the turbulence or the wave passes mm. yeah. It's interesting you say all of this. Like I, I know that place that it's like you have a foot in each camp of release and surrender and witness and observation. But there's mm -hmm. this other place where well, my experience of it is that the wave is so much stronger than me. It is just this force, just boom, 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 boom. And, and it's like a washing machine. You know, you just tumbled and you for me anyway I lose my sense of direction mm -hmm. and that for me that's the most scary part that yes. above all else is the most scary part in my experience of when this is done how am I going to know where's up and, and it can, <laughs> no it's changing, incredibly you know? orientating uh -huh. uh, nanosecond yeah. by nanosecond it's changing because you're being swirled and yeah yeah, you know, my dad, as I've mentioned to you before, he's a surf lifesaver and he, mm -hmm. he, that was his mantra, don't panic, don't panic. Panic is the worst thing you can do. It's just stay calm and the wave will spit you out at some point and you'll be okay. And, you know, I, I mentioned this to you and I just think this is rubbish, but he said, there's sunny water, you know, Narelle, it can't hurt you. It's not going to kill you. It's like, oh, Dad, <laughs> that's not really true. <laughs> well, I, well, in a way, maybe he has a point because it's, you know, of course there's the potential for that, you know, but only if, um, in most situations, only if you panic, you know, and you're burning up the oxygen in your body. But if you do stay calm, it does remain. It is is only water. Mm. <laughs> the danger is when you mix the, you know, panic in with water and then it's definitely a problem. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember one time I, 
I got a cramp in my leg and I was mm. way out, you know, way above my head. And But there was a very strange cramping sensation. It actually felt like it was pulling me under the water. Wow. And I was just in this moment of, it was an incredible conscious choice point of, wow, I could really panic now. Mm-hmm. or And I could hear my father's voice really clearly in my head, don't panic. But I could feel this thing that I don't know, it's like this instinct. I remember reading about it years ago when I was teaching physiology and I don't even remember what it properly is now. And I think it was not called a diving reflex, but like the drowning (laughs) reflex or something. And part of me just kind of went with it and I thought, wow, this would be really easy to just go right down and just kind of give up and surrender to the point where I don't care and I'll just drift off. And so I had to find this really fine line of, okay, there's the surface. You're going to the surface. Stay conscious. Don't panic. Stay calm. That's the direction. And and then it was okay. I mean, it was hard because I still had the cramp. But, yeah, it was a really interesting foot in each camp moment that could have gone very wrong. Mm. Yeah, so what I'm hearing is like it's really an environment that's it demands so much uh, well respect, and then also this kind of like trust in that the the body knows. Mm. If yeah, and it does, but it's yeah, it's hard then when the the kind of the brain kicks in. It's yeah, I think that word that you just said is key: trust. Trust that the body knows. That's that's key and trusting that relationship with water which is a hard thing to do when you're a human being but Mm -hmm. that's the key I think yeah I just want to come back to something that you said earlier about cold water and warm water and different um, geographies and there's something that you mentioned in your book that is so important and so potent, Iski, about place. And you talked about uh, the work that you'd done with a group of Maori back in, I think it was 2016. Mm. Yeah. In Ireland, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that they, they came to visit as part of an Indigenous, um, different people were working in different ways from Indigenous cultures with people. And um, what I got from reading that was the relationship with place. And, and as you probably know, that's a huge thing about what my work is about. And I'm really curious about this effect. This is not a question so much as, wow, look at this. Isn't this incredible as a source of wonder? The relationship that a human organism and a human consciousness has with the sentience of place, and in particular, the sentience of the water waters of that place and yeah I'm not even going to say anymore I just want to open that out to you and see what you'd like to share about that and your experience yeah I mean it was huge for me 2016 and was kind of the year of let's call it my homecoming in a way after being really nomadic for most for my you know late teens all the way through my my late 20s really um of just traveling a lot, both with surfing and then working, you know, different research institutes and, but never really being very rooted at home in Ireland, although always having that connection. And then 2016, I'd come back and was about to start a position at the university in Galway, um, 
but in that transition back, the homecoming part, peace can kind of be hard to like land in. And so place and belonging and all of that were, were big, big themes for me and obviously still are. And there was this beautiful event, event um, I think maybe it was called Indigenous Ireland, but it was looking at, you know, place connection, indigeneity through different landes and cultures or as humans on the planet. And then a wonderful group um, of Maori environmental health experts um, joined us as well. And it was just, they really helped kind of, I suppose, clean the lens <laughs> when it comes to place connection for me. Um, and one man in particular, Ihi Heke, Ihi Rangi Heke, who, has created the Atua Matua framework. So essentially tapping into that, the, the um, I suppose that more an indigenous environmental wisdom and how it supports um, our health. Mm. Um, so looking at, I suppose, that, that wonderful interdependence between, between the two. And then some of the, I suppose, the things for me that came out of that were kind of connecting the dots with how, you know, so much of the narrative around our relationship, human relationship with water is, is very negative. We tend to have, as humans, a pretty terrible impact <laughs> through mm -hmm. our actions on water by and large, especially in our modern societies um, where there's been such a disconnect from water, which, um, yeah, uh, <laughs> I won't go down that road just now, but it, it, there was a powerful kind of reframe of that actually it works the other way too of these environments we're in and how they're shaping and forming us all the time wow. and that we carry it within us through maybe also through our ancestry our own heritage and lineage um, but also wherever we find ourselves um, and in particular with water because I mean we're, we're taking it into our bodies it's moving through us you know, it's the water in our bodies changes like 17 times a year, I think. So wherever we've been, we're carrying traces of that. And of course, memory is this wonderful kind of, um, or water is this wonderful memory um, keeper. So it has yes, traces yes. of everywhere it's been. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and so I remember he just telling me though, because I've grown up over here in Donegal, always been in the sea and the surf that you know that that's my place and my language and and how I understand the ocean uh, it's it's through that medium that I express myself and that's my starting point always in whatever work I'm doing yeah. so for me that was that was a really powerful sense of connection and homecoming and there's a word in Irish I write about in the book as well that kind of captures that um, we don't really have a word for or landscape in in the Irish language but we have a word called dukas and dukas is like most words in Irish multi-layered yeah. but is is about that kind of that um, sense of connection interdependence with place um, how it shapes and forms our identity and kind of how we're woven into the, the fabric of of these places that we yeah. experience uh, yeah. Yeah, the Aboriginal um, peoples here have the same type of thing with country, relationship with country. You know, the, they say country creates you and you create country. You have this relationship with country because you belong to country. And, you know, often non-Australians say, well, what do you mean country? You know, isn't country like 
Germany or Switzerland or <laughs> I know right imaginary countries really <laughs> country yeah yeah country is um defined as by Dr Mary Graham she's an indigenous elder here as sentient landscape country is sentient landscape and and I love in your book how you talk about your bones carry the traces of the elements of all of the places that you have been and not only where you've been born but where you've traveled where you've lived where you've walked how you've walked all of those traces are etched in your bone and can be read and you know how in life bone is like 25 percent water mm-hmm. yeah so there's this resonance that goes through the crystalline structure of the hydroxyapatite crystals this is just my hypothesis uh, <laughs> not proven that help <laughs> form those those crystals those structures you know it's it's like a uh, a sound wave or a wave form that comes in and and lays down that it's like a language without sound really it's a vibratory mm-hmm. patterning that goes through the the bones and that's what i'm hearing you talk about that's my my sort of uh, filter there as i hear you speak about what the maori conveyed to you in um, relating with water, relating with waters of places, and yeah, 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 yeah. How we can embody that, um, and embody it in so many ways, and that what consciously or unconsciously, because yeah, it is actually in our bones. Yes, <laughs> which is incredible. Even here, you kind of um, refer to that, and it really reminds me of how you know we have that. It's sort of laid down and you know the, the evidence is in our bones if someone has to ever sort of look at them and <laughs> thousands of years from now but in the same way that it's also laid down in in like ice cores in in yes. the, the arctic or antarctica of of what's been happening in the world and and it's sort of the, the memory is laid down in these layers of ice and what's been happening in our lifetime and it gets laid down in our bones it's just yeah yeah that thought took me yeah waveforms are so interesting you know they're so transitory and yet they can become crystallized even if it's a momentary crystallization of a sand pattern that's there for the whole duration of that tide it's still quite fleeting compared to a wave that's sort of there it is and it's there for however long it's there and then oh now it's not there and yet there's something about when this is something I really wanted to open out with you when you ride a wave, whether you're standing on a board or whether your body's laying flat on a board, when you ride a wave, you know that place where, whether it's a sandbar or a reef or whatever it is that the water meets that and comes up and, and rises and makes the wave. There's something about that that just so intrigues me how when a human being is in that place, whether it's their body, whether they're standing or laying on a board, but they're in relationship with the wave in that moment as the wave is encountering the sandbar or the rock, the waves expressing this oh, incredible whatever it is, you know, it could be joy, it could be anger, it could be anything. It's just expressing its consciousness in that moment. And somehow you are caught up in that. You know that feeling when the water comes up and it surges through your body, through all the tissues of your body, and you carry that experience. And it's kind of like you and the wave are co-creating this patterning of consciousness or conscious dance in that moment. 
And I think that's where the joy comes from, that you can't but help whoop for joy. I remember reading in your book, you talk about letting out these exhilarated, you know, woo, <laughs> you have to wave <laughs> sometimes. And I, I just wanted to hear you talk about that, how you experience that, that I've just yeah yeah you've conveyed it so beautifully and it really is as this moment of encounter mm. um and I like it's fascinating to think about say with ocean waves how you know they may have originated from the same source and then they're radiating out across this ocean for thousands of miles and and then how where and how they reach the coast will determine the shape and form and how they ultimately break um, in so many different ways. And that's also part of the joy of surfing is discovering all these different kinds of waveforms. So it's like having a whole array of all these different kinds of dance partners. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's definitely most akin to, you know, and I've, I've competed in surfing for a long time as well. But it for me, it's probably it feels more akin to to dance. Mm-hmm. and that kind of that being that kind of relationship and maybe that's when I mean it can be hard to enter that state when you're competing but <laughs> that's when those moments of flow happen when you're very much aware that you're in this relationship with this other yeah. other body it's other of energy yeah. and there's like two bodies of energy meeting and it's interesting what you were saying too I, I just made me think you know, as a, as a surfer, there's a different dynamic on the surfboard and in terms of balance and motion and how the energy moves through your spine. And I know you do so much body work as well, Narelle. Mm-hmm. But there's something even more intimate if you're, say, body surfing, you know, on your on your belly because you're on that sort of the ventral surface. It must have a way of stimulating that ventral vagus nerve even more, mm-hmm. I'd imagine. And, and it's also the most vulnerable and exposed part of our bodies as humans that's coming into direct contact with this energy mm. that's the wave mm. yeah. um, that's just uh, mind-blowing so I often find it's almost stripping it back to the simplicity of things like like body surfing where it's just your body in direct contact with the wave um, you can really ex- encounter that energy sometimes even more um, yeah, whereas sometimes on a surfboard you are performing and, and doing your kind of dance routine sometimes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, where it's much more improv, I think, if you're if you're body surfing. Yeah. When I watch my dad body surf, I mean he's he's quite old now, so he doesn't surf anymore. But when I watch him, it's like he is completely lost and immersed and blended with the ocean. It's he, he has completely become this sea mammal. and you know like even when he was 80 I would just watch him do this and it's like how do you do that and he would he'd get up from the wave and it's not like he's you know lost cognition or anything like that but he's just in this other this completely other space of consciousness Mm. Yeah. yeah it's extraordinary to witness because he's gone somewhere else that is so blended with with the water yeah yeah. It's, it's kind of like, all right, I can see his skin and all the rest of it, but there's a level at which it's like, <laughs> I can't tell the difference between my father and this wave. I literally yeah. cannot tell the difference. Yeah. That's so special. Mm. Yeah. There's something that you touched on a moment ago, and, um, and I do want to speak to it 
if you're willing to go there. It's that you mentioned in your book, who cares for water? Who cares for the water? The water holds us. The water nourishes us. The water gives us so much of itself. And, you know, here it is, 70% or whatever of our earth. And who cares for water? You know, I, I read that in your book and I wept because that's my experience as well. You know, who cares? It's, it's like all the caregivers of the world, all the mothers of the world. Who cares for the caregivers? Who cares for the mothers? Who cares for the water? And it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard, this place that we stand on in right now. And, um, you know, my own work in photography has taken me into seagrasses and researching blue carbon and, and yeah, researching the impact on sedimentation and reef protection and, you know, changing the acidification of the ocean. And mm. it's a whole gamut. I didn't even know it was there. I just been walking in seagrass for two years going, oh, feeling the effulgence, feeling the nourishment, feeling the gentle generosity of seagrass and and feeling the presence of the ancestors, what I call the grandmother spirits of the mangroves there, because as you know, those those are cohabiting ecosystems. And and then and then I do this research and it's like, oh seagrass. I've fallen in love with seagrass and good. Yeah, yeah. we should all fall in love with seagrass. Yeah. So I just wanted to see if you're willing to open that area out, even though I, I know it's really painful for all of us. Yeah, I mean, it's such a biggie. And my, I suppose how I work, it's hoping that by evoking that kind of, that, that sort of emotional encountering of water in this positive way where we're feeling the connection in our bodies, where we're recognizing how much the water cares for mm -hmm. our health and supports that, that there will be an exchange, a reciprocity, uh, a giving back or an acknowledgement. Uh, and of course, in the area that I work in, in terms of the science and the research is in this area, it's been coined blue health, um, mm -hmm. which, you know, I suppose reducing water to one color is kind of madness, but let's just call it that for now. Um, so, the, you know, our connection to our, yeah, that interconnection between the health of these water bodies and our, our own body of water. Mm. But even that is still very much framed as we run, you know, run the risk of still framing it as this you know, reducing water, A, to an it mm -hmm. <laughs> thing. Uh, object that is there in a way to give us something so or for us mm. to extract you know uh, benefit for our health so reducing it to like a pill or medicalizing it or it, yeah. in a way it's still that same kind of um what can i get from water it, it's still the same mentality that actually has exploited water and then and turned water into this you know toxic environment that's bad for our health well, even when we're trying to seek it to heal ourselves so there does need to be a total shift in i think that approach and mindset that relationship yeah. uh, it actually needs to be relational rather than exactly. this you know ob objectifying it mm. so when you talk the way you talk about seagrass for example <laughs> is like in, the, in that way of kind of 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 kinship of recognizing the dependency um we have um on on all these species and habitats 
but you see who cares for water and it's kind of a funny one because in the world we live in now we we assume when we you know <clears throat> in our modern western society, societies where we have tap water that it's coming out and it's it's being cared for in you know inverted commas by being treated somewhere so that it's become safe for us to drink so the fact that we think caring for water is about sterilizing it and taking out all of its properties that are actually heat pure and healing and make it alive and give it vitality yes. is kind of shocking and that then there's kids growing up thinking that water water is made to be put in plastic bottles to then drink mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or you know like, yeah we're, yeah so uh, yeah there's a lot of work to be done in terms of our storytelling with water a relationship with water um and and there's so much wisdom and knowledge already there that we need to be paying a lot more attention to when it comes to that relationship yeah I think that's the key relationship story and what I heard you say between the lines then was ritual Mm. yeah yeah reverence really reverence Reverence. humility and it, it we're not so far gone from that at least I can see it in Ireland how that sense of reverence and ritual and water as sacred is is there's remnants of it still there and in, in our holy wells and we've got the highest concentration of holy wells in, in the world um something like 3,000 that are still known um and people still go there and and practice ritual both from you know, rituals that are from more pagan times to also interwoven with Christianity and Catholicism. Um, so that, that's, there's like this, this sort of residue that's still there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then yet our relationship with water is very complex. You know, it is also an environment that's, as you know, growing up, you know, the daughter of a lifesaver that takes life as well as gives it. And it's very it can act as a real barrier for people quite literally and it can be real dangerous and risky and so there's fear around it as well so it's it it, water really does challenge us um I think it's yeah or it's an invitation I think to look at um who we are as humans and how we're showing up (laughs) yeah yeah and I think the the programs that you ran even that was some time ago now in Iran and in Papua New Guinea and more recently in Sri Lanka helping women claim their relationship with water feel safe learn how to feel their bodies in that fluid relational movement is so important for all of us yeah yeah and it, I think in my experience and across, this is cross-culturally and it's as big an issue in Ireland as anywhere, is that relationship as women with our bodies. Yes. And then on my own journey into like becoming a mother as well and, and then being currently being pregnant <laughs> with yeah. twins, is just realising actually how um, disconnected we are from trusting the wisdom of our bodies and then how the healthcare system is designed in this more modern medicalized way to actually instill distrust yeah, yeah. In, in what our bodies are capable of um 
you know, and then trusting that our, especially that ancestral line of all the women before us, and that's why we're here. <laughs> we know what to do. We do. Um, we do. The, condition, the conditioning we get is so harsh, um, especially around our, our the, fem- the female body in particular, our bodies that just don't conform to the norm. So, um, yeah, it is, is to sort of make yourself smaller to contract to withdraw to yeah it it didn't just naturally feel actually it becomes natural to feel uncomfortable in your body which is terrible Mm. with then that's why water for women um is so powerful if experienced in this kind of really enabling way Mm -hmm. um if it's in a safe space where women feel it actually can um surrender and, and connect with water and, and sense their bodies in a whole new way it's it's especially transformative because it just like opens up this this box that was closed for so long of, of how to be in our bodies again yeah yeah and how to trust the cyclicity of the body in relationship mm-hmm. with tides in relationship with the i know a lot of your work more recently looks at menstruation and yeah yeah. How to not pathologize that, how to relate with that from a place of uh, embracing and curiosity and uh, listening, deep listening. Yes. Yeah. How to, how to listen to our bodies. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah. The listening and the trust and, and that cyclical way of being that's just encoded in us as well and then mirrored all around us in these natural cycles and systems that again has been sort of again conditioned out of how we live um, modern life with it being so linear and timetabled and scheduled and yeah. And so therefore when we have all these ebbs and flows in our mood and energy and how we want to move or be in the world, it's somehow seen as it, it, it that's wrong rather than yes. actually <laughs> we're trying to fit a system that's um, not how we're meant to move or be. Yeah. Um, it's it's kind of like saying every tide is pathology. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, Imagine that, you know, the tide's going out or it's too low. It's, it's yeah, <laughs> it's wrong. <laughs> uh, oh. So I've, I'm aware that we're coming toward time and I want to ask you if there's anything that we haven't touched on that you would really like to speak to, Iski. Oh, um, it's just, it's been such a fascinating conversation, but I, yeah, I know we could go on and on, um, you know, talking all the ways of water. Um, I don't think so. Yeah. You want to talk about your painting at all briefly before we close? Yeah, which I paint in watercolors. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, obviously. Um yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting for me how, yeah, for a long time on paper, it maybe looked a little crazy of being this combination of a, you know, a surfer, a scientist, an artist, a writer. Um, but it goes back to, again, <laughs> that ducus, you know, by what's my belonging and my medium and it's water. And I'm trying always to understand that human relationship, both personally and collectively with water um, and yeah and and trying to deepen that or restore that where the connections have been lost and I just do that then in all these different mediums 
Mm. So I feel like it's it's the same story. And then I just, I get to play in, in lots of different ways mm. um, that I kind of blend together. <laughs> and paint, yeah. Painting is one that I suppose is much more personal a way to, especially as I was a long time in academia and in science, which is very, yeah, but it's very masculine energy too. Yes. Uh, although that does lend itself, it should lend itself to a lot of creativity and curiosity, but sometimes not always. <laughs> it wasn't my experience, it, yeah. Yeah, I mean, as in, yeah, yeah. My oh. academic experience in cellular pathology and clinical biochemistry and uh, yeah. final pathology was, was more, yeah, more masculine, more rigor, more control, more demand and much less fluid, yeah. which is why I left. I was like, I can't do this anymore. That's <laughs> so often, often to women as well. And it's a whole other story. But perhaps it's like you with dance neural too. It's like it's it's it was like the that needing a balance. And so then the painting is also a conduit for that, for that more creative, self-expressive yes. way of making meaning in the world or at least processing some feeling that's come up inside me and letting it out. Um, so I don't really paint for any other reason than that, I think. Um, yeah. Uh, so it's always interesting to see I usually get to that point where I have this urge that I can't really quite explain why but I just need to paint yep. and I don't really have an idea of what I'm going to paint and then it just it comes out um, and I didn't realize until I wrote the book that then the the book is as much about that creative process as it is about surfing or anything else because it just kept coming up about the journey of, of my art and painting yeah. that was tracking alongside my surfing. And I realized actually these are really interwoven. Exactly. That's why I thought I'd yeah. open that out a little. Yeah. 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 Which surprised me. I didn't expect that to come, to come up because it's something I kind of keep quite in a way quite contained or I, I don't put it out in the world that much. Um, but yeah. So it's as much about that as anything else. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I can I can relate with that. It's like when I walk in the estuary, I sing, and I would never really publish anything that I sing. Is just the way <laughs> I relate with the uh, presences in place, and um, yeah, mm. beautiful. Oh. Yeah. you're creating more wave vibrations when you sing <laughs> yeah that's true that's very true yeah it's yeah the water yeah. waves yeah brilliant <laughs> yeah so um can you tell us before you go where people can learn more about your book and about you and your work yeah, I'd love to. So Saltwater in the Blood, is it's available worldwide, I think, um, in, in Australia from Penguin Random House. Uh, also on Audible, on audio, if you, that's, if you prefer to digest it that way. <laughs> um, and then all the information and everything we've been speaking about and different, different branches of my work live on my website, um, eastkeybritain.com. So you can find out more about some of the things you've been talking about and the research and projects. Yeah. And if you are on social media, although I maybe might not be on it. <laughs> so much over the next few months when the twins arrive is at Eastkey Surf on Instagram. Yeah, great, great. Oh, thanks so much, Eastkey. I've really enjoyed 
speaking with you and I have a feeling I might be chatting with you again down the I hope so (laughs) yeah thank you